John 10, verses 7 and 9, he said, I am the door, or I am the door of the sheep. And then in John 10, verses uh, 11 and 14, he said, I'm the good shepherd. We found two of those I am statements there in the, in the, in the last chapter. So today we're going to be in chapter 11, and, the, and we're going to be at the fifth of the seven I am statements. Um, like I said, we'll be looking at these all the way up to spring break. So we've only got two more after this. Um, and then after spring break, we're, break, we're going to switch gears. And uh, we won't just be in John anymore. We'll be kind of all over the four Gospels thinking about the seven different statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross. Um, and uh, that'll take us to the end of the semester. But for now, it's the I am statements. And so we've already seen Jesus say of himself, um, I am the bread of life said that in John 6, uh, I am the light of the world. He said that in John 7, and as we just mentioned, John 10, it was I am the door of the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. By the way, just to pause for a commercial, if you missed any of those, we do have a podcast, if you don't know about that. Um, and you can find any of these messages that you might have missed or on, on Wednesday night or on, uh, or on Sunday morning. That'll be on the podcast. Just, just search Lakeview College Ministry. It'll come up. You can subscribe, and also, just to, if you've started it and have lagged behind, that's okay. But we've been in a, a, a reading challenge to read, reading challenge to read through the New Testament this year, uh, reading a chapter a day. If we started at the first day of class back in August, if you read a chapter of the New Testament every day, um, every I mean like every single day, you would be you would be almost exactly finished. Uh, at graduation in the spring you'd have like one chapter left over still to read um, and uh, we have on our podcast just a short podcast every day on each chapter of the New Testament so if you haven't started it's not too late just uh, all right and if you didn't know it now you do back to back to the passage but we're in John 11 back in our I am statement uh, series and with this one we're in one of the most well-known stories in the Gospels is the account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. I love this, this passage. And he's making the statement in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, that's the statement and the story that I want us to focus on for a few minutes tonight. We've been stressing in this series um, the I am of the I am statements. Um, that these... these uh, teach us and stress the deity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is God in human flesh. By the way, you ever never thought about this, it'll kind of blow your mind, but he is still God in human flesh. You ever think about that? Like at this moment, he is God in human flesh. Like when he ascended back up into heaven, he did not shed his human flesh. Like the angel, when, when, remember when uh, he ascended and the disciples were just standing there like you or I would be. Like mouth open. Slobbering probably. But um, the, all of a sudden the angels appeared there and said, uh, well let me just read it. He said, um, back in Acts chapter 1, he said, um, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go up into heaven. Well, how did they see him go up into heaven? Well, they saw him surely go up into heaven, so he's surely coming back. But they also saw him in bodily form ascend into heaven, so he will come in bodily form. 
Anything used to. When Jesus, when the incarnation happened and Jesus took on human flesh, that was for all the rest of eternity, not just for 30 years of an earthly ministry. You ever thought about that? Blow your mind. Anyway, um, but these, these I am statements show us that he is God in human flesh, but that he's not merely God above us or God beyond us or God apart from us, but God with us. And um, we've seen that in all the passages up to now. We'll see it again tonight. So let's read it. John 11. We won't read it. In, it's a long chapter. We won't read the, the whole, whole chapter, but most of it. We'll read verses 1 through 44. All right. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany. That's verse 1. Village of, village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and, she, and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he, he said, This illness does not lead to death, for it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Mary, uh, excuse me, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two, do, two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he, this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could, he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? 
Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard, hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had, who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray. Father, this is a beautiful story of your majesty and your grace and your mercy and your love and your nearness. Uh, as well as um, your transcendence. That you are the resurrection and the life. That you're the resurrection and life for us, with us. And so I pray, Father, that as we think about these verses we just read, the, the scriptures which are your holy, inspired, and errant, authoritative, clear, necessary, sufficient word, you would uh, move by your Holy Spirit in our minds and our hearts in our wills, to bow in submission to what it says, by our belie- bow our beliefs by, and to, to, to come under what it says to believe and to do what it says to do. Give us minds to understand the truth, hearts to embrace it and love it, and wills to obey it. We cannot do any of these things apart from the, the enabling power of your Holy Spirit. So please grant us your Holy Spirit that we might um, do these things to the honor of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's a lot here, but this is an amazing story. So let's, let's take a closer look at it. Um, and we're just going to walk through the story because it's going to fill out what he means by in the resurrection of the life. And there's just a bunch of other good truths to take away from it. So here's how we're going to divide it up. Uh, first, in verses 1 through 17, we're going to think about kind of the setup to the story. This is the part of the passage that is sort of setting the stage for the climactic events of Jesus' statement in verse 25. And the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Um, So the setup is in verses 1 through 17. And then from verse 17 to 37, we'll think about the scene itself. Where Jesus arrives in Bethany. How he is greeted there, both by Mary and then Martha. Excuse me, Martha and then Mary. uh, and, And what's going on all around him when he makes this statement. There in verse 25. And then finally, in the last few verses that we read, 38 through 44. We'll think about the sign itself, the sign of his being raised from the dead. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, call events like this miracles. John has a tendency to call them signs, and for good reason. Uh, so we'll look at that, this from that point of view as well. So let's think, of, let's think first in the early part about the setup in verses 1 through 17. In all, all that is going on before Jesus even sets foot in Bethany, where Lazarus is almost dead at this point. I don't want to spend the bulk of the time here, but there's some good stuff in these early verses to be, to be noted. So let's, let's look. This, this ver- this, but first of all, this chapter is not, uh, there's not any immediate connection to the chapter before it like we saw back in chapter 10 where chapters 9 and 10 is like one unbroken uh, event even though it covers two chapters. There's not really any necessary connection of chapter 11 to chapter 10. So he has to tell us in verse 1 that now we're in Bethany or we're, getting close to that 
that, that, po- that point. Bethany's the town where Mary and Martha lived. You might remember Mary and Martha from Luke chapter 10. If you were just reading through uh, the Gospels, here's Mary and Martha. You're like, oh, I remember them from the last Gospel, Luke, Luke chapter 10. Uh, just, just pause right here. Well, let's just, you can, it'll be on the screen, but you can turn back there and, and, uh, and look. Just refresh your memory about who Mary and Martha are. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 10, it says now in verse 38 and following, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Like my kids telling on each other in my house. Um, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. All right, there's a lot of things you could take away from there, but that's, that's the first encounter we have with, with Mary and, and Martha. You can go back uh, to John 11, but Martha was the busy one, and, and, and Jesus said, you're anxious about many things. Mary was the one sitting there listening to the teaching of Jesus. She was commended, but is there anything you noticed about that passage? Where's Lazarus? <laughs> you know? Uh, he's not mentioned in that story at all. In fact, it's not... Until here in, in, in John 11, in verse 2, that you find out, hey, they had a brother, and his name was Lazarus. Uh, and, and, but at this point, unfortunately, he is sick. Um, and, uh, and, and it's interesting, too, by the way. Uh, it says, it was, verse 2 says, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. You, you do know that that story about uh, anointing the Lord with oil and wiping his feet with his hair. That doesn't appear to the next chapter in John. It's in John 12. Um, but he says it here in John 11 as if they would have already known about that before he even tells them the story, which probably tells you that was a well-known circulated story that they would have known about it before he even wrote it down. Um, all right, but it's here we learn that Mary and Martha have a brother, Lazarus, and he's sick. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus in verse 3. Uh, to let him know, hey, our brother Lazarus, whom you love, he is sick. And in verse 4, Jesus lets us know the reason why everything that you're going to read, everything else in this account, account, everything else in this story, this passage, why it's about to happen the way it's going to happen. And he says in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death, It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. For the glory of God. That is is the reason why Jesus was about to do everything He was about to do. Especially in the way that He was about to do it. And that, that just extrapolate from that a principle for our lives. That's why God does everything that He does in our lives. That's the why God does everything He does, period whether it's in our lives or somebody else's. It is for His glory above all things that Christ would be magnified, that He would be honored, that He would be seen as glorious and treasured by us um, for the worth that He is. John Piper would say, 
that this story zooms in on Christ and His glory, not like a microscope, but like a telescope. Like, like this, this, a microscope takes tiny things and, and magnifies them and makes them bigger than they really are, but a telescope takes something huge and big and brilliant and, and brings it into us into a way that we can see it and into my view. And that's what this passage does. It shows us that, that when God acts in our lives, His first and His foremost motivation for acting and how he acts is for his glory and that is something not to be frightened of but to be thankful for because of the astonishing truth that we see in the next few verses look again at verses five and six now jesus loved martha and her sister lazarus and her sister and her, and lazarus so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Does that strike you as odd? Like it doesn't say, follow the logic of that, those two verses. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, so when he heard he was sick, he ran as fast as he could to help him. No. No. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, so when he heard he was sick, he stayed two days longer right where he was. You get that? Like, we know from the rest of the story that what happened. So why, why did he wait two more days where he was? Let's just be real. Why did he wait two more days before he went to Lazarus? So that Lazarus would be dead when he got there. Okay, build on that. He loved Mary and Martha, so he allowed Lazarus to die before he went. Let's put that in perspective. He loved Lazarus, so he allowed Lazarus to die. <laughs> if, the, if the first four verses of the chapter teach us that God always works first and foremost for His glory, then these verses, verses 5 and 6, certainly teach us that He also always works most certainly for our good. And we should not, as the old hymn says, we should not judge that by our feeble sense. That's what it says. Because in this instance, it doesn't immediately look at all like Jesus was acting out of love. It looks like he is acting out of criminal negligence. But he, he was acting out of love. And the same is true for our lives. Sometimes, sometimes allowing us to go through some really, really low places helps us then to appreciate the high places where he places us. And the high spots all the more. Scripture says sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The joy in the morning will seem all the more joyful because of the sorrow of the night. And it may not have felt like God's good and gracious hand of providence in my life. It certainly wouldn't have felt like that to, to Martha and Mary. In fact, they'll both tell Jesus. They'll both of them tell Jesus when He comes, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They both say that. Martha will say it in verse 21. Mary will say it in verse 32? Now, I don't know if there was any anger in what they said. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a tinge of it. 
I mean, they, that's the whole reason they sent word to Jesus. Because they knew he could do something about it. He didn't come. Lord, if you had been here, it could have been a tinge of anger. I don't want to impute that to them, but it could have been. It wouldn't be surprising. But at the very least, at the very least there could have been sadness, mixed, anger and sadness all mixed with, nevertheless, faith. I mean, our hearts can do more than one thing at one time. They've been grieving for four days. They've been grieving for four days when Jesus gets there. And all of that was done out of love for them. Even when you don't understand, right, don't doubt that God not only works for His glory, and that's not a cold distant reality but doing it for his glory also entails doing it for you his child your good because not to be john piper knight or anything but you know this is the kind of reasoning that he that he famously says god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him so let me think think about that god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him that is a that is a beautiful truth to think about. In other words, our good, our good as his children is, is, is bound up with his aim to bring himself most glory. He wants us to be satisfied in him so that we turn it around in praise and he gets all the more glory for it. Right? Man, that's a sweet truth. Well, anyway, back to the story. So when you get to verse 7... Jesus knew he had waited long enough, so he tells his disciples, well, we better be heading to Bethany now. And his disciples knew that to do that, they would be going back to a dangerous spot where they had just most recently been tried to stone to death. And he tells them, don't worry about it. That's, that's my paraphrase of the uh, walking in the light, not stumbling. That's him saying, basically, don't worry about it. And he says in verse 11, our friend has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. To which they basically say in verse 12, Jesus, if he's just asleep, he'll wake up eventually. We don't have to walk miles to wake him up from a nap. To which Jesus basically says, verse 14, y'all, Lazarus died. Um, notice too he says in verse 11, our friend has died, but I go to, to awaken him. Not we, we go, I go. Because he knows that what he's about to do is, is something that he alone can do. We can all go, but I'm going to awaken him, you know. But the disciples aren't fond of the idea of going, like I said, and they almost got killed there before. So Thomas speaks up in verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. I don't know. I can't, it's hard to tell if that's sarcasm or it's just like fleeting bravery. Um, but in either, either case, when they get to Bethany, in verse 17, we learn that Lazarus has been dead for four days so that's the setup hear the news for god's glory and for their good wait until he's dead to go and and plan to arrive in bethany not just when he's dead but when he's good and dead like i mean it's gonna be later in verse 39 where they they're like he's probably stinking at this point good and dead so we'll ta we're taking all that into account 
What was the scene when he got there? Well, let's look at that. Uh, Not surprisingly, a crowd had gathered. It says in verse 19 that many Jews from Jerusalem had, uh, had come to Bethany to mourn. They had, by the way, in, in Judaism, they had professional mourners. Did you know that? Professional mourners. What do you do? I'm a professional mourner. <laughs> it's weird. They, like, they had like horns they blew and drums and like people who like just wail and weep and carry on. Well, they were all there. A lot of them were there from Jerusalem. It probably, probably meant that they were, that, that maybe Martha, Mary, Lazarus, they were a prominent family to have that many from Jerusalem come. <clears throat> but it's about that time that Martha hears that Jesus is finally coming. So she runs out before he gets into town. You know, she was the one back in Luke 10 that was all anxious and busy, right? So it's not surprising that Mary stays home. Boom, Mary, Martha's gone. She's getting it out to Jesus, and uh, she's a little proactive. And uh, that's when she says in verse 21 that if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Probably a lot of emotions in that. Um, I mean, again, that's kind of like, I don't know if you should read that like, like, how do you read Thomas saying, well, let's go that we might die with him. You know, is that bravery? Is that sarcasm? What do you mean by that? And what do you mean by this, Martha? Like, if you had been here, I don't know what all's in that. Probably a lot of things. Probably a lot of emotions. Anger, frustration, sadness, grief. But I think behind all of that, it's mostly a confession of faith. It's a confession of faith. Because she really meant it. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. I mean, (laughs) no doubt that they had probably heard of the fact that Jesus healed that blind man. Remember when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world in the early part of nine, that he had just healed that blind man? Remember he made mud on the ground with spit? and That that made the rounds, as you can imagine. They had probably heard that he had... Healed that blind man. So, hey, if, if, if he could do that, he could have kept, he could have healed a sick man. He could heal a blind man, you know. And, in fact, it says that in verse 37. Did you remember that? Where some of the people were saying just that, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? You can almost imagine how all that came about. I mean, and put yourself in that situation. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Lazarus sick, Let's call Jesus. Jesus doesn't come. He dies. Four days of sitting around talking about it. And what are they saying? They're saying to each other, you know, if he'd have been here, probably wouldn't have died. You know, if he, remember that blind man he healed? Yeah, if he could have healed that blind man, surely he could have healed Lazarus. And then Jesus comes, and so that probably explains why when Martha went out, she said if you'd been here. When Mary goes out, she says the exact same thing. And then they're all sitting back at home going, they're all talking, going, you know that blind man? They're all talking about the same thing. It probably just, oh, it just probably erupted when Jesus finally showed up. You know? But it was, he could have kept Lazarus from dying, but it was, it was for their good. It's because he loved them deeply that he wasn't there. You know, 
um, without, without it, without it working out like this, they wouldn't have known what he was about to tell them. Jesus tells Martha in verse 23 that Lazarus would rise again, to which Martha responds in verse 24, I know that he's going to rise again on the last day in the, in the last great resurrection. I'll see him again one day, in other words. That was a common belief even in the Old Testament. They believed in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the resurrection at the last great day that God was going to raise all of his people. Deuteronomy 31 talks about that. I, the end of, have you, has anybody ever read all the way through Isaiah? It's 66 chapters. It's a long one. But Isaiah, the last two chapters, Isaiah 65 and 66, it's all about, it's like you're reading Revelation. It's all about the new heavens and the new earth. Clearly a resurrection. Daniel 12, resurrection. Or there's this, uh, we're going to turn there, but like the, the only people that didn't believe in the, in the, in the, in the resurrection were the Sadducees. Sadducees in Mark 12 come and they um, challenge Jesus. And oh, The other thing is, the Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Bible. The books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was their whole Bible. And so they, they come to Jesus and they pose him a question. Basically trying to get at, Jesus, where do you see in, in, the, in those five books, where do you find evidence for the resurrection? And Jesus basically says, you remember that time where, Moses, where God told Moses at the burning bush that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Jesus said, he's not the God of the dead, but the living. In other words, the, the fact that, Jesus spoke, that, that God spoke in present tense. He didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, even, even long after they're dead, he still is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because there's a resurrection. That's his point. But resurrection was all over the place in the Old Testament. And even Jesus talked all about it. Back in, in, in John's Gospel, he said in John 6, he said in John 6, 39, This is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. They didn't go, what are you talking about? They knew. He said in the very next verse, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have an eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Says in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus, three times, I will raise him up on the last day. And it's in that sense that Martha says, yeah, I know I'll see him in the resurrection on the last day. Which is when Jesus steps in in verse 25 and stops everything. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus is basically telling her, yeah, it's good that you believe the Scriptures. It's good that you believe in the resurrection at the end of the age. But do you have any idea how that's going to come about? Me. That's how all that's going to come about. All that stuff in... Deuteronomy 31, all that stuff in Isaiah 65 and 66, all that stuff in Daniel 12, all that stuff I talked about in John 6, how's all that going to come about? Me. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am. He is. It's a person. Jesus was foretelling his own resurrection when he said that. And he was saying that, that it is, it is long as people are united to him by faith, they too will rise at the end of the age. 
That's why in verse 26 he says, And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? It's by faith in Christ and faith in his resurrection that his his resurrection becomes the guarantee of our resurrection. Because we're united to him. Where he goes, we go. Martha says in verse 27 that she believes all that. But the scene continues when he encounters Mary. Mary comes and it says in verse 31 that all the people who had come to mourn professionally or otherwise followed her out to Jesus. So his, con- you know, his conversation with Ma- Martha was a private one. Martha just came running out. He was just talking to her one-on-one, but now everybody's coming with her, so this is a very public conversation that he's about to have with Mary. Because she tells him in verse 32 the same thing that Martha had. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have died. And that's when it gets interesting. It says in verse 32, I mean, excuse me, verse 33, that at the sight of all this. Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Deeply moved. In fact, if you're looking at your Bible, it's not going to be on the screen. If you're looking at your Bible, if you go down to verse 38, it'll say it again. Then Jesus, now standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, it says he was deeply moved again. Deeply moved. You might think that this just, that, that I'm getting at something here, that, that Greek word that's translated deeply moved. You might think that that just means he was moved to tears or moved to sadness or just overwhelmed with grief like everybody else was grieving. Because after it all, it does say in verse 35 that he wept. But that word translated twice as deeply moved. He was deeply moved in his spirit, deeply moved again doesn't necessarily mean by mean that in fact that word was already used back in john chapter 5 so turn back to john chapter 5 and look at verse this is when he he healed the man at the pool of bethesda the, remember they had that that pool and they thought the pool had healing healing powers somebody tried to get into the pool first he never could get there fast enough remember that this is what he says in, in John 5, 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going down, another, uh, another steps down before me. All right. So when, it is, when the water is stirred up, I mean, when water is agitated, when it's, you know, when, 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 when the water's agitated. And it, funny, oddly enough, it's, it's, it's kind of goofy, but the, that, that Greek word, if you, find, if you find other Greek writings outside of the Bible, in other, other like Greek literature, that word was used for horses snorting. You know? Horses snorting. It's like a, it's like a violent agitation, you know? Water being stirred up. So rather, in John 11, rather than it meaning that Jesus was just deeply sad, it means He was agitated. He was stirred up. He was bothered. Maybe even angered a little. You might translate that 
as he bristled at the whole situation. Why? Why? Because he knew that's not the way it's supposed to be. Death is not normal. It's not normal for young people. It's not normal for old people. Growing old and wearing down as you grow older is not even normal. It might feel normal because that's all we know. That doesn't mean it's normal. It just means that's all we know. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that death is the last what? Enemy. Death is the last enemy. And when it talks about Jesus' resurrection, what kind of terminology does it use? Oh, death, where is your victory? Victory. What kind of, what kind of imagery is that? That it's a war against an enemy and the enemy lost. You lost. You did not get the victory. Right? Death is the, is the last enemy. And so when Jesus is standing there with all of the people wailing and crying in the crowds and He's standing there in, in the very front of this stone tomb, behind the stone is His friend Lazarus, dead, Jesus bristled. He was not just in the presence of his friends, he was also in the presence of the last enemy that he was about to overcome. Which brings us to the sign itself. I can't turn the, the uh, slides anymore. The, the, the sign. The bottom line he goes on into town and he reminds them that if they believed him, that the glory of God was about to be put on display. And he prays in verses 41 and 42. He prays. And we talked about this, um, this prayer in verses 41 to 42. If you were here a few weeks ago um, in Hebrews, we were in Hebrews chapter 7. Remember in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25? Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God to Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. In other words, Jesus is praying for His people that they would be saved to the uttermost. and we can, It's a guarantee because His prayers are always answered and He tells us right here, my prayer, I know you always hear my prayers. My prayers are always answered. But then in verse 43, He says, when, it says, When He had said these things, He cried out, with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Not original with me. I don't even know who it's original with. It's a good point that if Jesus had not identified Lazarus by name, all the dead people would have come out at his command. <laughs> it's a good thing he narrowed it down to Lazarus. But Lazarus came out, you know, and he can't hardly walk because he's, he's bound up with these grave clothes and they remove his grave clothes and then that's the end of it. There, there it is. They unbound him, 
and let him go. Boom, off to the next story. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I was like, wow, that was kind of anticlimactic. Um, you know, we don't hear a word from Lazarus out of, you know, in this story, but in the next chapter, if you're looking in your Bible right down to chapter 12, look, look at, look at uh, here, here he is. Chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was. There you go. But he doesn't stink anymore. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. <laughs> I bet they did. Um, Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. So he's there. He's happy. Alive. Reclining at the table with Jesus. And you don't hear any kind of peep at him. Saying, hey, why'd you let me die? You know? I was sick. I really thought you were come. Why'd you let me die? He didn't say anything like that. He knew Christ had done him a remarkable kindness. And in so doing, he had revealed his glory in a way that he had not yet revealed up to that point. I mean, what was different about this time? What was different about this time? Because you do realize that two times before this, Jesus had raised somebody from the dead. Right? In Luke chapter 8, he raised the son of the widow of, uh, of nine. In Luke 10, he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He's raising people from the dead. And here's Lazarus. What's unique about this time? Because this time, unlike the other times, Jesus makes it clear when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And it would be through his own coming death and his own coming resurrection that we have eternal life, including Lazarus's. And it's pointing us to that fact. I'm going to close with this. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus actually goes, does go to the cross in Matthew's Gospel, that we read that when Jesus died, it says in, in Matthew 27, 51 through 53, it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook. And the rocks were split. And the tombs also were opened. Y'all ever catch that? This is kind of freaky. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Hey, remember me? I died year before last. That's wild. A lot of people know about the, the curtain being torn. I don't know why we just overlooked that all these dead people came out. What's the point? Lazarus, I'm the resurrection of life. 
dead man comes to life. It's going to happen through my own resurrection. When his resurrection happened, dead men come out. All those, because they all died again. Their resurrection, they were almost resuscitated. You know, Jesus' resurrection, he rose again never to die again. They, in that moment, were resuscitated. They died, but they will be raised when we're raised, right? All those, all those being raised back to life, Lazarus and all these men, they're, they're just little signs of this whole big resurrection that's going to happen in the last day that will happen with, with all who put their faith in, in Jesus and put their, their trust in Him when He comes again. So no doubt this was a miracle. But there's a reason that John calls it a sign. You know? Because it's a sign. Of, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that happened that's pointing you to something. It's pointing you to who Jesus is. It's, it's a sign to, 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 to all of us to, to put our faith in, in Jesus. Put our hope in Him. Let's pray.